When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Slow Burn Media, an evergreen podcast, presents Who Killed, a podcast that provides a voice for the voiceless. Hello and welcome to Who Killed. I'm your host, Bill Huffman, and this is a Slow Burn Media podcast. And on this week's episode, I will be talking with Sarah Turney, sister of Alyssa Turney, who has been missing for a number of years, and her sister has made it her mission to bring the person that she believes is responsible for her sister's demise to justice. And just this week, there was a billboard erected in Alyssa's honor, and hopefully that will bring some more attention to the case. And again, she also is a part of the Voices for Justice podcast and is wildly successful at that. She knows this case better than anybody, so I am just going to shut up and let you guys listen to part three of my conversation with the one and only Sarah Turney. You're filing all these briefs, paperwork, you're doing all this stuff, 2020 is coming to you. Was it during the production that you became doubtful of his innocence or when did that change or was it because I read differently, but not everybody has. So how did that go about? Yeah, no, I get asked this all the time and there was really no one thing like it. It was kind of a culmination of everything. Um, So actually, like the day of the raid, you know, when when they came and arrested my dad for all the bombs, um. I remember yeah, go back to that. Like, did they notify? <laughs> they notified you about that, right? Or you got some notification? <laughs> How did this work? Did you write about? Because I I read something that you knew about it, or you were heading home, or you were doing something. You were trying to get there. Yeah. So I just released the entire conversation um, uh, from that day with me and the police. So what happened was. Um, at this point, I'm the family contact, um, so I get notified of everything in the case. And um, again, I'm 19, and so they call me and they say, "Come on down to the station. We have information about the case." And I'm like, "Hopeful." I'm like, "Oh my gosh, yeah, no problem. Like, I have Spanish or whatever. Can we do it before that?" And they're like, "Yeah, like no problem. You're definitely gonna go back to school." Like they didn't say that, but you know what I'm getting at. Um, mm. So <laughs> I go down there and I'm all excited, and you know they can't see me for a while, and I'm like, "What the fuck?" And um, so I go back there and they essentially say, like, they give me a full rundown of the case. Like, if you would have asked me a year ago, I would have told you that this conversation was five minutes. And then I actually requested the audio from the police and I cannot believe they gave it to me, uh, but they did. And it was um, a full rundown of the case and how they've exhausted every lead how it's not this guy and it's not her boyfriend and they don't think that she could have run away. And, you know, they say, you know, Sarah, oftentimes the last person to see them is the person who's responsible, which is my dad. Um, And they keep telling me that she was sexually abused. And they tell me that um, I had a sister that I didn't know about that my father like refused to claim. And then they say, so we're executing some search warrants on your house. Okay. Back to the sister that you didn't (laughs) know you had. (laughs) Yeah. Not to make things crazy or anything. Did this sister actually exist? I believe so. The police say that they know you just for never, sure. They never notified you actually of who she was, though? I know who she is. Oh, shit. Okay. Sorry. Um, no, that's fine. I, I know who she is. I looked her up. That side of the family won't respond to my messages, which is completely understandable. I do not blame them at all. But I have seen a picture um, and spoken with my brothers and, 
yeah, we know who the girl is and it is a thousand percent her and um, they don't seem to want to be involved. And that's, like I said, I'm, I completely understand. Yeah. That's just, yeah. That was one of those things that I just didn't really, I don't know. It's kind of touchy subject. So. Oh no, it's all, it's all touchy. The whole, the, I was just going to say the whole, <laughs> the whole thing's fucked up to begin with. So let's just, you know, be honest and call a spade a spade. So yeah, there's so um, many of those things, right? We're like, oh, what about the shooting in the 70s? What about the sister you didn't know about? What about the rape? And it's like, you could just, yeah, you could jump around forever. Oh God, what about what was the shooting in the 70s again? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this is how this is how crazy this thing. This is why when we first talked, I was like, holy shit, we got to have another one because this is just insane. Like, yeah, it's okay. Just give me a quick, quick, quick recap and a listener recap of the shooting in the 70s that is somewhat questionable. Sure. Um, so my dad was a deputy sheriff in Arizona from 1970 to 1974. And in 1974, his brother shot his wife um, multiple times. It was an attempted murder. She did not die, thank goodness. Um, and essentially the police are aware, you know, in Alyssa's investigation are aware um, that my father tampered with the crime scene in some way. Um, something to do with the gun or uh, hiding the bullet, something to that effect. I can't remember exactly what it was. Um, but I've spoken to his brother also, and his brother says that um, he essentially tried to frame it as if the woman was attacking my uncle. Um, but yeah, so he was a deputy sheriff and he tampered with this crime scene in some type of way and then um, resigned quickly after that. Yeah, I would say four years after joining the police force is definitely a pretty short time span not seeking to get a pension if you're doing that. Okay. Yeah, and there were no charges ever pressed. Ah, well, isn't that convenient? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and he was also having an affair with that woman. Um, like I said, you could you could go on forever. Um, oh, but yeah, so that's oh, the quick geez. overview. Oh, oh, uh-huh. oh, oh, geez, wow, uh, gosh, so many wonderful things to, uh, so many avenues to go down that are just. It, it's a pattern paths. of behavior. Well, you know, it's it's a pattern of behavior, which is why I bring it up in the podcast. It's not because I love talking about this poor woman who got shot or whatever, but if he was a police officer, you know, that says a lot about the case. And if he's covering up crime scenes, that also says a lot about the case in my eyes. Yeah, I, I think anybody that's seen anything in any television show or read about any corruption or inside dealings with law enforcement i mean there is always going to be somebody that's going to kind of cover your back and if especially in the 70s when you really don't have any records i mean you can it's all about you writing mm-hmm. down whatever you saw and that is what happened that's it so you're kind oh, of yeah well domestic abuse laws were extremely different if not non-existent so yeah yeah it was not uh <laughs> Not the time, unfortunately. It was not the, the era of the Me Too movement. And uh, it definitely was rough on the... Uh, sorry about that. I mean, I'm a man, so what am I going to do? I can't Yeah, help. no, you're fine. But but, I'm, but it does. I mean, it sucks. I mean, that's, that's just shitty that it had to be like that or was like that and all that stuff. But uh, so here we stand, and it's 2019. 2020. Oh, God. <laughs> I'll edit that out. Or no, <laughs> whatever. Anyway, it's 2020. Shit. Hugh Downs, Barbara Walters. We're here in 2020, though. And your dad's free or, you know, not in jail. Because <laughs> if he did this, he's not technically free in his mind. Do you think that you'll be able to get enough media attention to get him brought up in the grand jury? Yes. A thousand percent, yes. Well, that makes doing what you're doing 100% worth it then. (laughs) Well, I have to believe that way. You know what I mean? I can't leave any doubt in my mind. And I'm not asking for anything crazy. This isn't a precedent. Like, there have been so many nobody cases that have been tried in Maricopa County and in the United States. I mean, dating back to, I want to say, I can't remember if it was county specific or US wide, but like one of the first cases was like back in the 50s with nobody cases. Like, it's, it's not new. I'm not asking for anything crazy. And although people like to say that there's no evidence, like, I just highly disagree. And yes, I'm biased and I'll be the first one to say that. But like, 
here's a man with a video library that spans 50 years. And we're looking at one specific day in which his daughter's missing, in addition to another day in which he says his daughter calls. Mm-hmm. And those things are missing. Like all, it, it's almost like an absence of physical evidence. Does that make sense? Yeah, like, I mean, <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it would be like if you went and got the mail every day at a certain time and then the Tuesday of the month that your wife gets killed, you didn't go get the mail that day, but every day you got the mail. Uh, I would say, yeah, it definitely fits a pattern of, um, it breaks a pattern is what it does. Mm-hmm. And well, Look at Watergate. You know what I mean? Like that one <laughs> chunk of audio or whatever that was missing. Like that was exactly. a huge point in right. their case. Why can't we use the same thing here? Granted, it's not the white house and it's not the president, but the oh. same rule applies. I don't know. Yeah, I, I just think you know, that the same rules people do underestimate apply to the value of the evidence that we it's do have. Weird. It's weird how that is. The same rules do apply to everybody, president or not. But yeah, yeah. I'd hope so. The Watergate example is a good example because it, it is definitely, oh, look at all this tape. And then all of a sudden, boom, the day that you're not talking about, hmm, you're supposed to be talking about this and you're not and there's nothing there. <laughs> yeah. Too many coincidences to say that it's one thing than it is another yeah um, i mean it's just i feel like the police in the state right now have to make a decision if like what's the lesser of two evils for them this media thing getting bigger and not going away or them actually exposing what they might have done wrong in this case like i don't know what would be the best path for them but i have to feel that this is what they're debating because it's not whether or not my father is guilty like they've believed this for a long time. He's been the only person of interest for over 10 years. There's been no other tips and no other leads. And the evidence just doesn't point anywhere else as much as I wish it did. It just doesn't. Um, So yeah, they have to decide if they're willing to deal with people on their Instagram for the rest of their lives, or if they really, really want all these missteps to come out in court, you know, they're going to have to answer to a lot. There were two FBI agents that came in and said, why aren't you investigating this as a homicide? And both times they're like, dude, there's no body, no body, no crime. And that's just not the way it works. No, you can definitely prosecute without a body. It's done all the time. It is definitely not something that isn't out of the ordinary. And I could totally see it being done in this circumstance. Now, do you feel like there are people in the police force that are still kind of, I don't know. I mean, God, 74 was before I was even born. So, I mean, I can't even imagine if there's even anybody that's able to still be around. Uh, But do you think his ties with the police force have hindered the investigation? I personally don't, but I'm told by a lot of people that that could be a, a thing. And I don't know. I, like you said, it was a really long time ago and he was there for only four years. And from everything I've ever read, like he was the most annoying person to work with that had no friends. So it's not as if he was like this cool social butterfly that made a ton of contacts. Like growing up, I never met a single person he worked with on the force. Like it, it it was never a thing. Like you barely remembered that he was a cop at one time. Um, It could be, but I lean more towards that the police don't want the investigation to come out because they they did a lot of things wrong, in my opinion. You know, like I always say, had one officer come to our house on the day Alyssa went missing, looked up, pointed to the camera and said, what's that? This would have gone down totally different. They would have said, what do you mean you have surveillance from every day, but not this day? They would have started looking into him immediately, and that didn't happen. And it's a huge misstep um, in addition to a million other things along the way. Okay, so, you know, your dad's free. Uh, Has he made any attempt to reach out and try to contact you in the years that he has been released from jail? No. Um, So in 2017, when he was released, um, I met up with him at a Starbucks and we talked in person and I asked him all the questions and we went over everything. Um, And then I spoke with him after CrimeCon last year. So it was June um, 2019. And when I called, he's like, who's this? Like he didn't even have my number saved. Um, So no, he hasn't reached out to contact me in any way. Well, I guess there's a little bit of a benefit in that in the sense that he's not keeping tabs on you, but... Um, well, I, 
I wouldn't go that far because he talks to my brothers and yeah, they, they talk about it. So he, he always like, when I talked to him last, he's like, the first thing I do when I talk to your brothers is ask about how you are. Um, so I'm sure that he's trying to get information the way he can. And like, he knows where I live. You know, we wrote letters when he was in prison. I bought my home when I was 21. So my address hasn't changed. Um, so yeah, he knows where I live and I'm, I'm sure he keeps tabs in his own way. Man, that's gotta be a, a little bit of a nerve wracking, uh, existence. Sometimes I waver between like, okay, if he tries to do something like, here's our evidence. Like, I feel like it's such a, a strong thing to have in court, which is so stupid and reckless and do not recommend to anyone listening. Um, but, you know, I have those thoughts and I, I waver in between being mad and wishing he would. And then, yeah, sometimes when I'm alone and I hear a bump in the night, I think it could be him. Yeah. You know, I'm fairly close with James Runner, who's a true crime author and uh, done many, many, many things on uh, Amy and Kelsey and uh, Liberty and all those people. And, you know, he talks about, he's like, well, you know, the way I look at it is if they attack me, at least I know they're guilty. <laughs> I'm like, oh. Me and James Renner, man. He actually predicted something in this case. Little like, do people know. What's that? So what's funny is I reached out to him um, because he predicted this accurately. Like I was like, why are people freaking out? Um, and by people, I mean one person that I don't want to mention, honestly. But um, so he's, when I reached out to him, he, you know, he was like, interesting story or something like that. And he goes, how'd your mom die? You know, do you think your dad had anything to do with it? And at the time I was like, no, 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 cancer. Like he's way off. Um, but come to, you know, come a few years later, I get a document and it shows that my mother died one day before her life insurance policy was due to lapse. And I spoke to an aunt that I hadn't spoken to in 25 years. And she tells me that um, they all believe that he like overdosed my mom, my mom on morphine mm. in order to hit this deadline for the life insurance. So James Winter was like absolutely a thousand percent correct. And like, I will forever have respect for him for that. Wow. Yeah. I knowing that my like, dad. What a crazy prediction to make. Yeah, and knowing that my dad had cancer and died and the amount of morphine pills that he had, I mean, you could have killed the neighborhood, you know, without even thinking about it. Just, just I mean, it's just one of those things. It's just when you're in pain, they give you pain medication, and it's not that difficult to overdose somebody on morphine and have it just show up as, you know, they had overdose on morphine, but they're also dying of cancer, so... Yeah. Well, I mean, there's a lot that goes behind that, right? Like he requested specifically that there was no autopsy performed mm. despite him wanting to sue for lung cancer for the tobacco companies. Like I said, it she she died within 24 hours of her life insurance policy lapsing. And he knew that because he quit his job. He quit his job and signed a paper that said that the health insurance will die, you know, will stop at this point, And so will the life insurance. Um, and then there's reports of like underdosing and overdosing and there's a bunch of weird statements. And like when she died, she freaked out and asked them to call 911. It wasn't as if she like gracefully left. Like you hear right. in a lot of stories. She like literally uh, like my aunt and my grandma stepped out for a cigarette and they came back in and she was freaking out and she had just been given a dose of morphine and um, she was begging them to call 911. But yeah. yeah. But James Renner I predicted that. And so like forever respect well and see i'm like call me the murderer i don't care like i've had people say it was me before and i'm like awesome you. tell everyone like get let's get people talking about this like i don't even care like say whatever you want how old were you 12 exactly <laughs> what the fuck are you gonna do when you're 12 years old no they're like sister looks shady as fuck bet it was her and i oh. like died i died i was like i made it Oh, <laughs> uh, well, like we've got this kid, we had this kid that disappeared here for like two weeks and he was on the national news and there's all oh, the parents has got to be involved, blah, blah, blah. And then oh, we yeah. find him in it. a chimney <clears throat> across oh. the street mm -hmm. in an abandoned home. And the thing is, people wanted to like, and they continue, like, if you look it up on Twitter, they're like, you got to look into the blah, blah, blah. And I, somebody reached out to like the vanished or something like that. And I, I don't know them personally, but I wrote back to that person. I was like, just to give you a heads up, this is a straight up accident. 
let the people that run that show focus on things that are actually nefarious because this isn't and you shouldn't like jump to conclusions like <laughs> like yeah. there's no way that their parents or anybody could have taken this you can't put somebody in a chimney it's just it just it makes more sense that he climbed up it, it, like there was basically like a ladder right next to it yeah, people like to get excited. It's I know, but a it's downside. Like it's still, but it still frustrates me to this yeah. day. Like, even though it was a week ago or whatever, ten days ago, I'm just like, yeah, it's shady. But what the fuck? I mean, I was a 14 year old kid. I did stupid stuff. I'm lucky to be alive. I, <laughs> you know, oh yeah, me too. I mean, man, have you ever seen the movie It? Like, I'm glad I never saw that before. I went in the sewers around here. Jeez. <laughs> I was going to say, I used to go through like tunnels and stuff too. Not sewers, but they oh, like freeway tunnels. Exactly. Same thing. Same thing here. Like freeway tunnels. Not that like sewer sewers. Not like uh, Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles stuff. But like, <laughs> Not know. like water on the ground. Yeah. No, no, no. No. no, no, no. We had water on the ground in some spots. So I guess it was technically, ah, <laughs> uh, whatever. Yeah. Fuck. You're like, let's not let's not think about it. <laughs> no, no, we had this thing. It was funny because like so down the down the creek from Hellhole was twin tunnels. Now twin tunnels were they just like you imagine, two tunnels next to each other. Um think like uh California style, like uh concrete, just square, like straight through. Like you, we would walk like 100 feet in and it would get really black and then it would start to go down and we'd be like oh my god and we'd, we'd turn around and we'd leave <laughs> <laughs> and then one day like this kid who was like a younger that like a year younger than us was like oh come on just do it and we're like oh we can't let this kid show us off so like we did it and it was like the crazy like you couldn't see your hand in front of your face it was so dark it was yeah fucking ridiculous like like, what are we doing? Like, we're waiting for a storm surge to come through here and just kill us all. And uh, <laughs> I've been there. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, you, you take your chances. You roll the dice. You roll the dice. You try to make your, I mean, I'm a skier. I, I remember skiing out of bounds in uh, Utah before the season even started. And the next day in the same exact spot, a kid died. So I was like, Ooh. Well, just glad that wasn't in. And, you know, like we had talked about dropping in that side of the mountain and, oh yeah, it was, uh, yeah. No, that's uh, so dangerous and scary. You're brave. What's that? Just skiing. Oh, hell. That's not- I like hike and I'm like nervous. It's fine. <laughs> oh no. Skiing's awesome. Skiing's so much fun. Like my best friend used to be like the manager, Bubba Gumps in, in Breckenridge. <laughs> And like he was, you know, college grad from Ohio and just lived out there for like a decade. And I'd go out there and just be like skiing by myself, basically. And I'd look at the kids' skis around me and I'd find somebody with good looking skis, somebody who's obviously a local and be like, take me to the toughest spot on the mountain. I haven't run yet. <laughs> so I'd be run. like, where, where are those kids at? I'll be skiing there. <laughs> no, I mean, I didn't mean like a kid. I meant like, you know, I meant like, you know, a badass. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I definitely, uh, no, I, there are a few things that I would consider myself an expert in, and skiing is one of them. But, uh, yeah, skiing and sailing, definitely. Well, hell yeah, you can't just podcast. It'll no. drive you insane. Especially if you just sit in a closet all day. That's the best thing about this business is that we're all out to hook everybody up and you know like the whole thing about like slow burn media like the whole thing behind my company that like i started my company last year but like basically just to give people a platform to discuss the cases that otherwise couldn't get discussed on you know mainstream media or uh, don't have a platform for it and anybody who's got an important story to be told it's i'm always cool with welcoming welcoming into the family <laughs> i love that that's awesome we need more people like you in podcasting for sure <laughs> yeah it's like i feel like an old man compared to the to, to some of the people but it's uh i'm i'm not i've worked in every medium of media so like i've done newspapers i've done radio i've done television i've done 
podcasting, I've done blogging, I've done, you know, like you name it, I've done it. So I just feel like I'm kind of at that point where it's time for it to all make sense. Yeah, no, you got to do it your own way for sure. Time to connect the dots. <laughs> you ever seen that Steve Jobs uh, inauguration speech from uh, Stanford? No, I haven't. It's only 14 minutes of your time. <laughs> 14 minutes of your time. Watch it after we get off the off the off today. It's uh, y- you will feel empowered. No, yeah, no, check it out. It's it's it gives me chills. I mean, I I'm a huge Apple guy, but like I love um, I love Steve Jobs in the sense of just he's one of those people that was a total fuck up and but successful in the same breath and like fuck up in the fuck up in the in the sense that he was a fucked up person. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no. And I love stories like that. Like I, I probably consume more like business stuff than true crime stuff, to be honest. It's just like, sure. I feel like you have to look to those people if you want to be successful. You, you have to look up. You can't look down. If you Oh, will. God, no, no. I mean, my favorite, oh, I could send you a list of the, the business books that I've read in the last year. But like, I love like, I love reading books about like, there's one thing about a combination of true crime and and business is like reading about all the white collar crime. Yeah, some swindled action. Oh, <laughs> I mean, I can't get enough of the Enron thing. Like, I even to this day, <laughs> or too big to fail. Yeah. Jeez, like, wow, bunch of morons. And my dad was a banker when he was alive. You know, he was. <laughs> I remember him being like, "I have to go to Palm Beach and do some due diligence on these banks that National City bought, which was a bank around here." He's like. And come back like a week later and be like, nobody did any fucking due diligence. <laughs> yeah. Like, what the fuck did they just buy? Like, they're just all, it's all like fake. It's just, uh, it's yeah. so insane. Yeah. yeah. Not to, not to spend literally 10 minutes going off the subject matter. Oh, you're, you're fine. I like to do that on occasion just to, uh, cause I do that. no i like i like talking about the industry it's it's nice to do to be honest yeah i mean the industry itself is i mean it's interest it's interesting and it's changing and like we're still at ground level i'd say maybe first floor but still at ground level for the most part I can't thank this week's sponsor enough, Podcorn. They make connecting podcasters with sponsorship opportunities, such as host-read ads, topical discussions, interview segments, easy as possible. I've been working with them for a while now, and they are by far the easiest way to monetize your podcast. They have taken what had been a time-consuming part of the podcasting process and have made it easy for me to focus on what we as creators do best create. If you're looking for a way to get paid for the hard work that you put into your podcast, then look no further than Podcorn. You set the rate you believe to be fair and deal with the brands directly. There literally is no middleman. And at Podcorn, you will never give up any rights to your podcast. Their mission is to make sure creators like me are compensated in an appropriate manner. You can check them out on their website, podcorn.com. They have packages for podcasts of all sizes. And again, I can't thank them enough for making my life easier. I've provided a link in the show notes as well so you can find out exactly what Podcorn can do for you. Anyway, all right, let's jump back in. Um, CrimeCon, I mean, being on Podcast Row last year when I was there, it just felt like I never had time to do anything. The fortunate part about that was it wasn't my booth. So I was there with Missing Alyssa and I was also very fortunate to have a lot of meetings with a lot of people and, you know, I, I was being pulled everywhere, if you will. So I didn't spend a ton of time on Podcast Row. And, but well, we did have a live a show. mover and shaker? Yeah. yeah. I mean, it resulted in zero deals, which was really <laughs> exciting for me. I really loved that for the case because um, it was like Dr. Oz and like, we'll get you on TV here and we'll get you on TV there. Oh my gosh, this is going to be great. And then I think they look into it and they're like, oh my gosh, this is kind of up in the air. It's like kind of a weird legal area to be speaking about this. It's like too much of a risk for them to put me on Dr. Oz or Dr. Phil without like my dad there or whatever. That's how I'm justifying it. Or maybe they just hate me and don't want to do it. I don't know. And I don't care. But um, yeah, I didn't, I didn't get to spend a lot of time doing that. Um, but yeah, I did, I did a live show and I went to some meetups after, um, but I wasn't a podcaster then. So I just kind of attended everything, which was totally fine. Um, but I would love to have some type of official meetup because I, like, 
I have plenty of energy for these events. Um, it's just like the staying out to like 5 a.m. that I cannot hang. Oh, I'm so oh, no, boring. No, 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 <laughs> no, no, no. Stop that talk. I can't stay up till 5 a.m. either. I mean, shit. If I, if I stayed up till 5 a.m., oh, I don't even want to talk about it. That would be the worst thing in the world. I, I, I did it. It was the worst thing in the world. Oh, you did? <laughs> one I, night. I, one I, night. I, oh, it no. ruined CrimeCon. No. Nope. I nope. I refuse to do it. Been there too old. Uh, not that I couldn't do it. That doesn't. That did not mean. Just because I said I was too old did not mean I can't do it. <laughs> I did not mean that in any way. People out there, uh, it just meant I know better <laughs> than to yeah. stay up till five in the morning if I have to stand and talk to some people for two hours and talk about different cases. You know, it's one of those things that it is fun to go out. I mean, I know that. When Nick, let's see, Nick and his wife, like we went out, God, we went and got, we went to this really great, great dinner and that Saturday night and you know, we were out till 2.30 or so. Yeah. But, you get swept up. You get so excited. You see people you don't get to see all year. Like, I don't, it, it's a really fun time, but yeah, I want to do meetups. Um I just I'm not on like whatever text chain every other podcaster is on or whatever. I'm not either, like, so don't worry. <laughs> I mean, people I, are like, oh yeah, there's a meetup at nine, there's a meetup at eleven, and I'm like, where? How? Like, I know how to use Google, and I don't see any of this. Like, where's this coming from? Yeah, so a lot of that stuff just is word of mouth. Um, at least that's the way that I figured it out last year. I did mention something to the captain about possibly doing a meetup with people from you know at passion case obviously they are friends with the people from gen y and tim and lance and all the other people that have been on the show so far yeah. uh group meetups are fun because they're just sort of you know they're so casual and they're not you don't have to do anything formal it's just hey, let's all meet at a bar and drink <laughs> like i'm so down like that's the way i look at it and you know what's so cool is that like the actual place that CrimeCon is this year is significantly more expansive than the venue from last season's CrimeCon, meaning there are pools and bars and restaurants and all sorts of things that exist within the actual hotel that didn't necessarily exist at the hotel previously now there was a bar and yeah. a restaurant and all that stuff but uh this is much more of a more of a resort type place which is yeah, it's huge it's, it's enormous and it should be fun like this should be fun it shouldn't be tons of work like it should, this should be a good time no and i have so much fun like um meeting people is the best for me like if i had to choose between meeting fans and meeting other podcasters like no offense i would meet fans all day every day like i think like fostering these relationships with people online is amazing and great and i really do feel that support but then i see them in person and like i break down like i it's like my internet friends are real when i see them you know what i mean it's it's just i get so excited and i love meeting them like above everything else yeah i always laugh about that with like the internet friends it's like you know you can you can look at it in so many negative ways but there are so many positive ways to look at it too uh, if you just filter out the garbage because it's just garbage i mean anybody who insults you or do does this does that you look at their following list or like how many people they follow like it's like 12 like okay you just joined today to be a fucking dick thanks <laughs> thanks a lot appreciate yeah. it yeah <laughs> way to ruin my day for being an asshole and you don't even have any friends like i like pride myself on turning people who hate me into people that care about the case and i've done it a few times like it's kind of my favorite thing to do i don't get them a lot but like when i like 
I posted something on like the Phoenix Facebook page. Oh, they they um they were posting about how a school was broken into, but they had the like they knew who the person was, and they were just like, look at how sad the school has so much damages. Here's the teenagers that are responsible. Like, isn't this sad? And so I posted, and I was like, you know, like I- I'm pretty dis- disappointed in the way that you're using your following. Like, this is a case that has a conclusion. There's no call to action in this. Like, I was being a brat. It's fine. Like, I was having a day. And, um, but sure. I said it in a professional manner and this woman comes on and she's like, listen to my kids, go to the school. Like, that's not cool. Like, this is a, an important issue. And I was like, ma'am, I completely agree with you. You know, I, I just wish that they would have included some type of GoFundMe or some type of fundraiser so that we could contribute to this cause. You know, this is what I'm doing with my sister and why I did that. I'm so sorry. I didn't mean to offend you. And she was like, I read about your sister and I completely understand why you're posting on this. Like, you're exactly right to post on this. That's out of control. That's insane. Like, you're so professional and I won her over and now she like follows the case and it's kind of my favorite thing to do because you don't have to be mean like even when people are mean to me I try to just like you know I completely understand why you feel that way you know here's why I believe this thank you so much for commenting and that is a very good example of how to handle critique online. But what I will add is that if you spend all your time trying to make people happy, you won't be able to do exactly what you need to be doing. But I will give you my own example of doing that exact same thing. <laughs> Just in the last Love week, it. Somebody was like, Blah, 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 something about audio. And this, I think they were listening to an episode from like literally when I first started. I had no flipping idea what I was doing. And the audio, I'm sure, was freaking terrible. And something like, I don't know, the audio, the audio is too low. And like, I agreed with her. Maybe it wasn't that one. But then there was somebody who was like, something about this. And I go, well, thanks so much for your kind comments. I'm very appreciative of you taking the time to comment on my life and I'm glad to see that you're doing so much with yours. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and it's like, I put that on Twitter and I was like, go fuck yourself. You know, and I don't fucking care. <laughs> go fuck yourself. You want to fucking, you want to worry about like, worry about your own fucking life. You want to do something about like, I, got, I was like, basically respect the fucking platform. You can fucking hate me as much as you want. I don't care. That's fine. You dislike the way that I talk. You don't like my voice. That's fine. You don't like my pauses or my the way that I pronunciate things. Fine. Respect the freaking platform. Respect the people that I interview. Respect the fact that I bring attention to cases that may not get the attention that they deserve on a mainstream level because I don't see you doing it. I yeah, say, I didn't say that, but, <laughs> but I said everything before that. I mean, like literally, and I was just like, I was, and I was having a day. Like yeah. I was having a day. I was like, no, no, fuck you. Like that's, I don't need to take your BS right now. Like shut up and <laughs> like get, stay in your lane. You don't do this. You don't know your business. You don't know how to do this job, nor do you even understand what it is that I am doing. So shut the fuck up and find another show to listen to. I don't fucking care. Yeah, it's just trolls. Like you can't let them get to you. And yeah, when they're that bad, I usually won't say anything. Um, and then people will go after them. Like, do you know who this is? Like, she's trying to do this. Like, how dare you? And like, I was in customer service for a very long time in high-end baby retail, which meant I was dealing with high-end oh. customers that were pregnant also. Um, so I learned very quickly how to be someone that is very hard for you to be mad at. Like, if you come to my store and your blanket has faded after six years, that is our fault. I am so sorry that the quality is not up to the standard. What can I do to make that right? And I think that that's really carried over with me through this. And it's it's something that just comes natural and I feel is the right thing to do. And I, I think has really done me a service. And it it translates to everything. Like the way I talk to the cops, like, like I literally just said my first curse word in an email to them ever. And it was like, I don't know what the hell is going on or something to that effect. And it's the first time in 10 years. Like I try to be so, so deliberately logical and irrefutable, if you will, like, 
like the podcast. Like, here's all the information. Believe what you want. I'm going to go over every single theory I can think of, including those that don't include my father. Like, I'm just trying to put it out there. But everything points to one thing. Sorry, it is what it is. Like, Mm -hmm. again, just setting it up in a way that hopefully not too many people can be mad at me. Yeah, I mean, I'm not looking at trying to ruffle people's feathers or make people mad or do things this way or that way. It's just more like the stupid shit that people complain about just sometimes gets under your skin. And it's just like, yeah, all I'm doing is it's not like my full-time job, you know, as much as I'd like it to be like, I'm not there yet. Sorry guys. Like if this is what I did every day, all day, then yeah, it'd be fucking awesome. But, uh, You're going to get a screw up here and a screw up there, a mispronunciation here. Mispronunciation <laughs> there. I'm sorry. I'm not Dan Rather yet. It's just not there. I can't help you. Yeah. It's like, listen, it's 4 a.m. I'm tired. I have to work in the morning. I have to get this podcast out. I've made no money off this podcast. I'm eating ramen noodles for dinner. Uh-huh. I'm sorry if it's not perfect, but I'm trying. I hate to fucking even admit this to you, right? the fuck now but i literally ate ramen noodles yesterday see (laughs) this is fucking pathetic (laughs) (laughs) it's not what people think it is like it's it's great yeah like people like oh you know it's good and i i do enjoy it i don't get me wrong this is nothing against the, the industry or anything like that and i do believe it is the future but it is it takes effort and it takes sacrifice out of our lives to do that and i don't think people put any bit of thought into that at all uh before they put their two cents online because it's like oh these guys must be making blah 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 no we it's not like that this is more of a service it's like public access to a degree but we are pbs we are funded by viewers like you um (laughs) but it's like Yeah, I mean, I do feel very fortunate in that I feel like I do have somewhat of a special past because I am, you know, the family member of a victim and a podcaster. Mm -hmm. So people, I I think, have more mercy when it comes to different things that they might, you know, say about other podcasters. Like, I feel like I definitely get a little more leeway because they they feel for me more. Oh, I would would definitely say that you should definitely get a a bit of more of a pass, but I'm acknowledging my privilege. I would also say (laughs) I, I don't, I don't want people to think that I'm receiving negative comments like on a daily basis. I'm talking about a handful over a couple years span. Um, it's, it's more of just in the hundred good comments, two negative comments can ruin the batch. It's just, yeah, it's well, just human nature. Exactly. Well, it's like when you reflect back on a relationship, right? It's like you don't remember the 5,000 times they said I love you or that you look great. You remember like the one or two things they said that were really mean or horrible or that you took the wrong way or whatever. It's, it's the same way with online. You just those comments stick with you more. The thing is with internet trolls that I don't know that all of them realize is that the way that the social algorithms work is if you dislike a video, if you leave a negative comment, you're just helping that person. So like, go for it. Like comment all day that I did it. Like comment right now on this and say that I killed my sister. I don't care because it helps with engagement and it helps more people learn the story. So like jokes on you trolls. I mean, I've had people say James Renner killed Amy Mahalovic. <laughs> people have said that my dad's the Zodiac killer and I'm like, oh my gosh, you should look into that. Let's make a series about it. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I got some land down in uh, Florida in the- <laughs> That's that's for sale. Are you interested? Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's cheap. It's cheap. It's only like five hundred bucks an acre. <laughs> but like you know, it's one. Of, it's honestly, it's one of those things. It's like you're doing a service for yourself, your family, but you know, your sister. Your you know, you're looking for answers. Um, sure, there are podcasts out there that are there to make money, and they're there to do this and there to do that, but I think there needs to be some bit of a differentiation. Different. Oh God, how do I say that? Uh, I guess that's the right word. Differentiation between the two of one being advocacy and one being uh, storytelling. Like I hate doing stories that are solved. I feel the same way. You know, because I don't feel like I'm not. I'm not adding anything to the case. What do I add to the case? Yeah, I'm, I feel well, better when I'm working towards something. I mean, just. 
Yeah. I mean, you have to have something to shoot for, especially when there's so much, like we talked about before, about all the negativity that you talk about uh, or, talk, or you research or you discuss or, I mean, you're just always talking about death and despair and all the negatives in life. And it's like, fortunately, life isn't all dwell and, you know, hell and all that crap. It's not, it's not all that. It's no, you know, there's more to it. And, you know, this is just a part of what we do, but the whole reason for what we do is to find answers to the questions that we have questions about. I mean, like, why wouldn't you want to know and put your father behind bars for something that you are convinced that he did? Yeah. And I, I mean, the police are also convinced. It's like, I have to like drive that point home so much, but it, if this was a closed case and my father had already been tried or anyone had already been tried for this and convicted, I would not be here today. I wouldn't be telling this story. I wouldn't be doing the podcast. I wouldn't be doing a million interviews because it's not something that brings me joy to just tell the story. What brings me joy in doing this is knowing that I'm working towards actually getting her justice. Like, that's what makes me happy. That's what combats me having to relive this trauma every day. You know, and we talked about, you know, upsides and downsides of me kind of being on both sides. But it's like another thing is it's not just the time factor. Like it's emotionally draining. And there are days where I just say like, I can't, I just can't, I just have to step away for a second. And it's not necessarily energy or bandwidth. It's like emotions. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I mean, fighting towards an active cause is everything for me and I, I couldn't do it otherwise. Yeah, I definitely think you need to step away when you start to feel like that because when you cover cases, I can't. I mean, I don't know how it would be to cover a case that's so close to me, like the case that you cover. But I mean, I grew up with the Amy Mahalovic case. Uh, she was the same age I was. I mean, it was that case that I grew up with three miles from my house. But um, when I started the podcast, yeah, like that was part of the drive was maybe at the very least I'll bring attention to a case that needs more attention and it needs resolve because one, that family is not getting any younger. The mom's already passed away and the city's still freaking out about it. So we need to do something. And I think Renard actually directed me towards that. He's like, do what you know. (laughs) (laughs) So that's how I ended up there. Yeah, no, I think it's super important to be passionate about it and feel like you're making a difference as opposed to just telling the story, which I understand that asset, you know, that aspect too. I'm not trying to shame anybody for what type of stories that they tell, but yeah, I feel better when I'm working towards something I can help and I want to make this something I do forever. You know, once Alyssa's case is done and I can hopefully have some closure there, I, I want to help other people. And, you know, not just missing people, but, you know, um, like wrongful convictions and just anything where there's just a super wrong that needs to be righted. I just want to be there and I want to help give people like me resources because there's no handbook for this. Like I didn't know what I was doing. I've learned everything by making mistakes along the way. And I really just want to help people avoid some of those mistakes. Um, So, yeah, it's definitely turning into a life mission um, versus just a one-time telling of my sister's story and like people have to remember like I I thought this was going to be like okay like I know this story up and down I'll just retell it but when I got all those documents like that's new to me when I did these interviews with people I haven't talked to in 25 years like that's new to me um in episode nine I released 40 minutes of my interview with the police and I only heard that like two months ago like I'm experiencing this with the listener Many thanks to this week's sponsor, Podcorn. They make connecting podcasters with advertisers a simple and easy process. And the best part is you get to set your own rate and you don't have to deal with the middleman. So visit them at podcorn.com. And thank you to Sarah Turney for joining me again in the studio to discuss her sister's tragic case. She is obviously an amazingly strong person and is very dedicated to putting the person that she believes responsible for her sister's disappearance behind bars. And thank you guys, the listeners, for tuning in. 
As a reminder, I drop new episodes of Who Killed every Friday, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, TuneIn, Stitcher, you name it, you'll find it. For the second year in a row, I will be representing Who Killed, Who Killed Emmy Maholovic in my passion case on Podcast Row at CrimeCon 2020 in Orlando. Now, the dates were originally set for May, but obviously those have been changed. And the new dates are actually Halloween weekend, October 30th through November 1st. So if you guys want to save on your ticket, you can use my promo code AMY2020. Again, that's AMY2020 at checkout. If you do enjoy this podcast and my other shows and would like to help support my journalism, you can click on the donate button on the left-hand side of slowburnmedia.com. That is slow minus the W. Now, you can also contribute to the show via the Venmo app with my username at bill-huffman-3. I will also provide a link in the show notes. Every contribution helps keep these slow burn podcasts running. Now, if you do leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're listening, that also helps keep the important cases that I've covered in the spotlight. So anyone with information regarding Alyssa is asked to contact the Phoenix Police Department at 1-602-262-6141 or the National Center for Missing and Exploited Children at 1-800-THE-LOST. Sarah would also like people to use the hashtag JusticeForAlyssa while discussing her case on Twitter. That just helps keep her case in the spotlight. If you have any information regarding any of the other cases and unsolved cases I have covered, please contact the FBI at 1-800-CALL-FBI. Now, if you'd like to stay up to date on the shows I have covered, as well as the new shows I have in the pipeline, please follow me on Twitter. Part 4, and the conclusion to my conversation with Sarah Turney drops next Friday. So thank you guys so much for listening, and until next time, stay healthy and be safe. It is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Hi, I'm Matt Harris. Seton Tucker and I host the podcast Impact of Influence, which for two years covered in depth Alec Murdoch, who was eventually convicted in 2023 of murdering his wife, Maggie, and son, Paul. That story continues to evolve, and we will cover that. Plus, we will tell you stories of other true crime events that have happened in the South. Please join us on Impact of Influence and give us a follow on the Impact of Influence Facebook page.